People of the Plannerverse, welcome to episode 52, where my colleague Steve Morton, hi Steve, hello, and I will discuss the magic of contextualization today. Ooh. Con- contextualizing your life, a, context- a contextual life is the way that OmniFocus had put it. And, and here's what it's all about, gang, because, you know, we're an element now, all of us. The, the idea is that our plans are only as good as our ability to define them in the context that they live in. And if we don't have a context or a perspective within which we can define our plans, then they're just ideas that have no interconnectivity. Wouldn't you agree, Steve? Mm. The, the thing from this sort of takes me back a few years of battling, I think is the right word, with um, <laughs> project management software, which if you didn't tell it what was dependent on um, another sort of thing, if you gave it three tasks, it would try and start all of them in one hit and then tell you, you haven't got enough resources to do this. Yeah, well, I could have told you that. <laughs> Stupid computer. <laughs> well, but... Steve, well, Steve and I were chatting earlier, and we said, well, what are we going to talk about? And Steve gave me this excellent example of this machinery <laughs> that is sort of like you end up babysitting it instead of actually doing yeah. work. You end up becoming the slave to this software. The thing is, is... As with all of these things, you have to be able to um, know how the thing operates. So, in in a way, it's almost um, better to learn how to do this sort of thing on paper first. So, if you like, you start off with your, you know, let's take a, a moderate-sized task or project which maybe has sort of three steps to it um, rather than one big long sort of continuous thing and you break that down into and let's say you had um, some building work done on your house so you have the sort of groundworks the sort of preparation phase the main building bit in the middle and sort of the, the finishing out, you know, the fitting out where the, the man comes around and puts the door handles on and he's painting the doors and all that sort of, you know, stuff that seems to be, you think, oh, you're nearly finished, but it just takes another week to get all those little, little silly little jobs done. Well, that really, you know, a, a project of that size, really, you should break down to more than three parts, but for, for want of a better word, we will sort of treat it as a sort of simple three-parter now obviously you can't do the finishing bits until the main bits been finished you can't really start the main bit until the the, the groundwork you, know, you can't build on something until the foundations have, have been dug or something like that so it's important that either you know um, or if you're using software to keep the thing up to date so you start off with a rough plan that you know you're not going to need say 10 days for this 25 days for that another five days for something else but if those first 10 days suddenly becomes 12 days the plan needs to know that that's been shuffled forward and then of course the start of the second phase will be sort of delayed by a couple of days now 
in the long in long term strategy of all of this thing, you might lose a couple of days, or you might catch up, say, a day and a half out of your project in the middle phase. So the actual final phase might not be delayed by that much, and you might be able to win back the other half a day in that final phase. So the actual eventual end date might still be the same, but you have to include those bits in your plan. Now, it doesn't matter whether you do this on paper or using some fancy computer software. Be warned, the computer result has can have horrendous <laughs> results. <laughs> I think I think it's very good advice to say that we ought to start on paper first. It's sort of like yes. when our teachers convinced us that math would have been done better on paper, and mm. then later, once you get advanced, you can start using the calculator. There is a, there is a definite uh, growing process that happens in using paper to plan out projects. And when I say projects, I'm talking about everything that you could possibly think of that you want to accomplish. So mm. a task, you may think that a task is just a task, but you may have incorrectly defined a project as a task. And yeah. that's what this episode is about. We're trying to give everyone some perspective on how to define a project and then how to break that down within steps, whether you're going to use uh, something that we're going to talk about today. We might as well get into it, Steve. Uh, the parallel or the consecutive tasking mm. order. And software, for example, like, uh, what is that? OmniFocus are mm. very good at presenting these challenges in a, in a digital format. I really, really like their software. And one of the things that I came across when I first started using it was this idea. They asked me, they said, is your project one in which your tasks are consecutively accomplished or are they parallel? Mm. And at first it took me aback. I said, who talks like that? Like, how is this even English? <laughs> right? So why, why do you need to ask me this question? And then I realized it's very important because, for example, we're trying to have natural gas installed in the house. Well, that's a project. Fine. The first step in the project is identifying who the stakeholders are, who the players are. And then once we've established that, we're going to try and see the actual steps that need to happen for this project to be complete. And so the question when we ask is, are the tasks parallel or uh, what was the other one? <laughs> I can't think anymore. <laughs> see, it's, it's gotten me Sequential. all flummoxed already. Yeah, exactly. So, or continuous. <laughs> continuous, thank you. So the idea is that can you do these tasks, can you complete task two before task one is done, or do you have to wait for task one to be complete in order to get to task two? That is the main difference um, between the variety of planning forms. And this, is a, this might be a very a mind-blowing light bulb moment for some people because <laughs> if you realize I don't know if you've realized but there are some things that you have to wait on for other people to complete mm. and so the question that arises in our minds here as your co-hosts is do we wait for other people to be complete on their end of the project or can we complete our own end of the parallel tasks that can ultimately support the whole project completion Right, Steve? <laughs> I, I, I've got a simple way of sort of imagining this. 
if it's lots, if you end up with lots of parallel tasks, you need forty-two dragons. If you do them sequentially, <laughs> you might get away with just seven. <laughs> so, so this, there's a lot of sequential things that need to happen for us to be able to bring natural gas into the house. However, there are some parallel taskings that can also mm. be accomplished before other projects set in. And so, if you're looking at, for example, printing a book. Or if you've got personal tasks like taking a holiday, building a new project in the house, you want to build a new coffee table, I don't know, you want to do some outside yard work. These are all potentially initially tasks in your mind. But then if you start breaking down the steps of what it takes to get there, then you may actually see that you've got small projects on your hands. And that's what I would personally like to encourage you is to start splitting up your projects into contexts. And I think this is something that might be a little scary to people when they hear context, like, oh, what do you mean? Well, it's really, really very basic. What is the perspective of your view when you're looking at this project? If it's outdoors, then your context is outdoors. If it's indoors, then your context is home, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, do, I really want to simplify this, and and I'm not trying to be flippant when I say that, but it really is that simple. And so you can come up with a few contexts for your own life that you find your daily tasks fitting in. Work, home, school, um, I don't know if the projects, home projects, out extra hobbies, extracurricular activities, that sort of thing. And what happens is when you begin to define your taskings through these contexts, all of a sudden it's easier for you to look at your contexts and get a bird's eye view of what your life is made of versus trying to nitpick the small details that we can get caught up in all the time. And it really is true. It, think of it as an annual perspective, annual calendric view versus a daily view. One allows you a big bird's eye perspective of the various portions in our lives that are now categorized by context versus the daily minutiae of saying, well, I've got to go wash these windows. Okay, well, what is that the bigger part of? In, mm. in what context is washing the windows in the that's house? That's just a small That's just yeah, that's small just one task small within task. the overall thing. And then the ability to see if that task is something that can be done in parallel with other projects or in mm. within that same project or if it's something that has to wait. Do you have to wait for something else to happen? And a good example of this is a folder I have that I keep handy with me with reading material that I specifically can't wait to dive into, but I keep that folder at bay until I get on a plane. And once Mm. I'm on a plane, then that folder becomes my playground. So I'm very happy (laughs) to be taking it apart. But that's something that I say, well, while I'm waiting for travel to happen or while travel is happening, then I can go ahead and start reading these articles because I want to make sure I take up that time doing that instead of whatever else it is getting Mm. bored wondering why i'm not ordering more movies or (laughs) whatever (laughs) it is that people do when they're in a plane so i know steve i had challenged you to try and get some contexts for yourself and i think i started you off easy i said just pick two contexts two colors yes i did it how did it how did that work sort of working so tell us what you tell us what you it has separated things out right so So what colors do you have sort of home type things in in blue and my sort of at 
the desk type um, activities in black. And so what have you it, noticed? It sort of helps isolate them out and helps me put them into the right slots, if you like. Um, I'm not 100% certain. I think the, the two colours are too similar in some mm. way to my sort of way of thinking. So I might go for a slightly different colour, uh, maybe a green or something for, for home things, just to differentiate them a bit more. Well, I think ultimately, if you're working off of a master task list, which I'm very keen on, if you've ever heard mm. any of the podcasts or if you've ever heard me speak, then you know I'm very keen on a master task list. The idea is that during the year, you have one major master task list that you're working off of. And you can either write this up as the year starts or start keeping track of it as the year goes by. But one thing I make sure is that every month that master task list gets updated because things mm. change and life changes. Mm. And the idea is that you never lose a single item. That way your brain can start trusting you to keep a list of things that it's thinking about. And so the brain doesn't actually have to think about these things because you've written them down. What the brain can do now is the brain can start coming up with solutions on how to resolve these things or how to put them in context. And one of the nicest ways to put things in context, as I have I've suggested, mm. is color. In our, our planners are meant to be a place where we can dive in and make it a playground. And why not use color to substantiate the context that you want to give it? What, where it does help, I found, is um, if you're sort of, you've got sort of an hour to spare or something and you want to look through your list quickly right. to see what can you do in that hour. Yep. Um, be it a low priority thing or high priority thing, whichever, um, you can quickly sort of home in on, right, what have I got to do out of this list for a particular day right. or something? And that helps you. It, it's also helped me sort of scheduling tasks into specific days sort of thing. Where do you keep your master task list, Steve? I don't actually have a master task list as such because mine's sort of an ongoing list, as it were. Okay. Um, which goes from one week to the next, and it's not that big a list. I must be honest, but um, the sort of routine things around the house, you know, things like checking um, smoke detectors and stuff like that, mm -hmm. that all just comes up on an electronic sort of reminder, um, you know. X number of days after you last um, did sort of completed it. Right. But that's more that's more of a routinized thing yeah, as opposed so to more, projects, yeah, right? It's not quite the same. And another a good example I can um, give of um, sort of sequential tasks um, and how to, how it was planned is our sort of holiday that we did in the U.S. and Canada. Um, a couple of years ago now, uh, where because of the way we booked our original flights from Europe to America or Canada, as it was, we effectively had a fixed start date and a fixed end date. What happened in between those two dates, sort of seven weeks apart, was absolutely chaos. variable. <laughs> not, not quite. But we, I, I ended up with, I think it was two sort of you know monthly sheets printed out with a sort of you know 
hard start date, hard finish date. Right, so we've got to, we're going to arrive here and we've got to depart there. Right, so we were sort of planning, you know, in rough terms when we would be travelling, what events that we'd be um, doing, sort of in mm -hmm. terms of meetups, places we would go and visit. You know, how long do we stay in any particular city, sort of thing? You know, do we think we need an extra day here or there? We did have an event to attend in Denver about sort of three or four weeks in so that was a fairly hard date if you like and through the process of planning we sort of realized that if we're going to do this this and this we, we we have to miss out or potentially miss out one of the cities we had originally planned to visit and in fact we did that did mean we got some extra days in one place um more than uh, in another when we dropped one place out of our sort of schedule but mm -hmm. it more or less sort of all slotted together reasonably well and gave us the opportunity to sort of you know on paper to start with to plan out right what days are we traveling what day are we traveling from you know x to y and so on and so on and so on throughout this sort of global sort of thing and then as we were sort of looking up um, flights um, availabilities and this sort of thing we could see on paper straight away right check-in time check-in date check-in check-out check-in check-out and so on or as we went round now so all of that in the planning stage it was fairly flexible when it became a solid plan was when the bookings had been made because we sort of worked this may sound crazy but because we had this fixed event in denver we effectively worked backwards from denver back to new york or back to montreal in fact in one direction and then after denver we worked forward <laughs> to get back to montreal right um so there was there was sort of in in a way that was sort of working on a dependent thing of being right that's not movable the rest of it can move right on, the, the variable move things around. can be changed but yeah. the things that can't be can't be and yeah. i think that's part of the getting things done process in project management as far as planners go as far as you and mm. i are concerned and the planner community is concerned is if you are trying to use a GTD method, capturing information and then clarifying it is really what we're talking about. If you're capturing this information in your calendar, huzzah, success. But mm. then you have to clarify the context in which it exists because, and, and here's why. Ultimately, what you end up doing is you make repetitive tasks, you automate them. And yeah. the ones that aren't repetitive, you allow them to exist in their own world for the project that they need to complete. And they can be done with and off your plate, off your mm. brain, off from anything that allows your mind to stop and not be able to think. And I think that that's the reason. That's why I like OmniFocus, because I keep my master task list in a huge um, B5 desk fax planner. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to have to be carrying that master task list around with me. No. 
but it allows me that real estate of paper allows me the time mm. and space that I need to write things down. Um, but I do keep a running list on OmniFocus and OmniFocus does in fact remind me when things need to happen or how it needs to happen in the order in which they're happening. And I can adjust my own um, task list for the week or for the month based off of the master task list. So I'm still making progress towards what I'm trying to complete independent of having to carry this list around. And mm. the clarification part is is the really important because as Steve said, you can change the variable parts of a project. You can speed up time or you can slow up time based on your efficiency or, or productivity. Or employ a few more dragons. <laughs> or employ a few more dragons. <laughs> <laughs> or kick the software to the curb and tell people to start using their brains and paper and pen and get yeah. it done in, in, uh, before, well, ahead of schedule and under budget, right? <laughs> That's mm. usually what happens. The fascinating thing with this is if you've actually ever done a sort of a planned sort of project of you know so what overlap is there you know this bit of the job can you know it can start before the other bits finished but it, it can't start at the same time but it can overlap by say three or four days or something right um and if you if you then um once you sort of make you know some of this software stuff that we talk about now it presents with you lovely graphical charts and all the rest of it. Sure. Wonderful. Sure. Great for sort of pictorial imagining how things are and what's dependent on what. And it helps you um, track. So once the, the real time date sort of kicks in, it's it keeps constantly asking, you know, what percentage of this have you actually done? You know, is it 100% finished? Have you done 50% of it or whatever? Um, and it can sort of then start adjusting things accordingly. Mm. Does it, it can't really, it doesn't, to my mind or recollection, um, solve anything that you didn't already know. It Correct. might sort of helped you Correct. in terms of rather than calculating, having to calculate what the actual impact is going to be. Uh, what it does sort of come on is if these days to do things in have some monetary value. Mm. So let's say you're working on a project where let's say the notional cost is say a hundred dollars, euros, whatever per day. Right. If by having to increase the amount of time um, it's going to do on the particular project, of course, all these different if you've got different people helping you or you're doing different things the actual cost the actual overall cost uh, you know overspend or underspend is then automatically reflected it's not just the fact that you missed the deadline by say two days right you think oh big deal sort of thing it, it's what actual financial cost comes into that. Every day of missing a deadline is $1 million, right? Then, yeah. Then what happens? Potentially. But that's putting things in context, though, right, Steve? Yeah. That's exactly yes. what we're talking about. Yes. Now, of course, when you're looking at, you know, big sort of defense contracts or, you know, airline, you know, imagine building a sort of an A380 and the costs <laughs> incurred in that of missing a deadline date right or something like that um you know it, it it 
doesn't bear thinking about it. It's not just sort of pocket change by any means. Sort of thing. Well, because so the employees still need to get paid, the lights still need to get turned on, all of yeah. this stuff still needs to happen, and there's no productivity happening to compensate no. for the investment. So that's that's the major so loss. So the, the sort of where that comes in is it's it's balancing out. Do you let the thing slip into the by a day or two, or do you think well if i employ more people i can get the thing done by the deadline date but the the there's the sort of a cost sort of benefit and analysis sort of thing yeah you know? the yeah. cost of employing the extra bods is one thing um compared to missing the deadline by a day or so and it happens to be a sunday anyway so it didn't really <laughs> matter or whatever but yeah, so it, it but, all sort of... Right, but this is important to understand for everyday planners yeah. because mm. the same can be applied to our lives. And I think yes. one of the most important arguments we can make is the value of integrity that we have when we stick to the promises that we make in our planners. Mm. If you say you're going to complete a task by X date yes, and you don't, then you have lost the argument of why you should write it down again. Mm. So that means that either there was poor planning, you didn't consider a realistic date, there mm. was some issue, there was some error in the formula that didn't yeah. allow you to complete that tasking by that date. And so it, it won't behoove you to rewrite that down for another date if you don't look back at the formula that, that caused you initial error. And that's why context is important, because if you now know why you didn't complete it on that date, then you can go back and see what date you can actually complete it on. This is where um, reviewing things after a project has been completed yeah. is very valuable because you can then look back. If you're a project manager, as I once used to be, you can then look back and analyze the amount of time spent um, over the period of the project. Maybe it's sort of six or eight weeks or so. And you can then learn from, you know, how long did it take to do this? how long did it take to do that and how long did it take to do say the report and all the rest of it and what were the lessons it, learned yeah and it helps you um budget for the next one if you like and it's sort of this completely iterative process where you're always learning um, right and adjusting um and maybe say the first one quite a lot of time got absorbed in um, training people on how to use something. Well, of course, the, the second time you go around that loop again to do the second lot of tests, there might not be such a big training overhead. So, of course, you allow for that. In your, you know, you save a day or two on your sort of project B, as it were. But similarly with us, right, in our projects in yeah. everyday life, it doesn't have to be a big mm. defense contract. It can be, let's say the project was simply to go grocery shopping. Yeah. If you create an automated list that mm. recycles itself once you're complete with that grocery shopping so that you mm. don't have to rewrite it, for example, or you can mm. just print it out again, or mm. some kind of automation nirvana that you can achieve in having understood that the grocery shopping is a repetitive cyclical thing, then what you're doing is you're in fact, you're creating processes for your life to smooth out the areas that take up space and time. Mm. And you can now dedicate that space and time to doing something else. I mean, it's, mm. it's gotten to the point where I know to some of the grocery stores around here, all you have to do is call them and give them a list of what you want and they will mm. collect it. And all you have to do is go pick it up. 
Yeah. Uh, so why not use some of these services to better help you save time? And that's what we're trying to accomplish here at, at the mm. Plannerverse, is to use our planners mm. to create context so that those contexts can better serve our lives. To give a very mundane example of this. No, Steve, you're f you don't have any boring <laughs> examples. I don't believe you. <laughs> this week, we um, decided to do our sort of annual washing of the curtains yes. task. Yes. <laughs> it, it is sort of an industrial sort of process. And if it ever becomes an Olympic event, I'm your man. <laughs> <laughs> It's good for the active minutes count, I can tell you. Uh -huh. <laughs> Up and down the ladders all the time. Bobbing from one room to the next, sort of taking them all down, getting them all through the washing machine, getting them out on the line, getting them ironed, and putting them all back up again. It can be done in a day. <laughs> it's, um, it, it's sort of, you know, it's one of these things where we've done it before, and sort of, so we know, sort of, right. We learnt some tricks like, you know, you've got to do this. Don't forget that that window is slightly different size to that one. So it's best to make sure that that one goes in separately. <laughs> Otherwise, you end up trying to you end up swapping curtains from one window to another when you finally got them all. And dry. what do you have that contextualized under? Is it under home? That's definitely a home. Definitely well, a home. Yeah. And then I would further contextualize that as a end of winter beginning of spring yeah sort season. of a spring clean spring clean practice. okay so yeah, so your yeah. overall project would be the spring cleaning and then yeah. the context would be home and then if you yeah. wanted to further define that it would be the curtains and then the curtains have the curtains, their con yeah. it's a consecutive that would be a consecutive Definitely. well series some of parallel events. processing going on there because whilst one lot's being washed you can wait a subsequent time and then you can get the one that the previous lot in and start ironing them whilst the other one lot then go out and as as you then go around right them but, up, so but no no sorry that's oh, it's, 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 cons it's consecutive because you, you can't put them you can't put them up before you wash them and you can't wash them you can't iron them <laughs> out until after you wash them so yeah <laughs> there's lots of, i shall have to draw it out on a, on a chart as to how this was this oh, task dear. Was achieved. <laughs> and there you have it if you weren't more confused now than you are when we started then congratulations <laughs> steve where can we find you you can find me hiding behind the ironing board <laughs> <laughs> at filofaxi.com, travelersnotebooktimes.com, or as Mr. Filofaxi on the Instagrams. On the, and where can we find you? On the Instagrams, you can find me as Karin Tovmasian. And uh, you can find me at plannerology.com. We're updating the website. We've got a new tab for PlannerCon now. It's very exciting. And uh, you can also find me at Plannerology on Facebook. Not long to go now, is there? Almost. We're almost there. Almost there. And don't forget, folks, if you've enjoyed our shenanigans today, don't forget to like the podcast, share it, and don't forget to subscribe for four future episodes. Bye-bye for now. Bye.